global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all rallying. Stocks are rising as energy shares advance, along with crude prices, after OPEC was said to have agreed to cut production for the first time in eight years. West Texas Intermediate up 4.4%, 46.63 for a barrel of WTI. Right now, the 10-year down uh, 330 seconds, yield 1.57%. Gold down 450 the ounce to 1321, a drop there of three-tenths of 1%. And again, crude oil up $2 a barrel, 46.63 now, up 4.4%. S&P up 10, a gain of five-tenths of 1%. The Dow up 104, a gain of six-tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. We are broadcasting from Bloomberg Market's most influential summit at our world headquarters in New York. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes. Crude oil. We've been talking about crude during the day. Oil surging the most since April on speculation that OPEC has finally agreed to a cut in production. Here I want to put this to our next guest the relationship between emerging markets and the price of oil. Karthik Shukaran is the director of global strategy at Eurasia Group, and he is also speaking on a panel here at uh, the Bloomberg Most Influential. Thank you very much for being with us. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so go ahead. What, the links between being an energy producer, being an energy consumer, the price of energy, and what that means for emerging market economies. Some benefit, some don't. Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, there are a couple of important points here that we've been looking at for some time. One is that, obviously, there are a significant number of uh, emerging markets economies that are oil exporters, but when you GDP weight them, the really important ones are, are importers. Uh, China, most obviously, increasingly, uh, and India's up there as well. So a very large portion of the fastest-growing part of the world, uh, East Asia and South Asia, basically consists of oil importers. And the second point that I would make is that this particular um, drop in the price of oil is unlike previous ones insofar as it owes much more to a positive supply shock than a negative demand shock that makes it very different from what we saw after 2008. Um, I think the combination of those two uh, is on balance positive for most emerging markets, the most important and influential ones uh, in the global economy, but it creates severe issues for some, Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, Nigeria, places like that. They're smaller, but their problems are big. Well, it's interesting, too, when you look at um, the global economy and global risks that the markets are watching so closely. Oil is still a big one, even at a time when um, people are talking about going green, and they are, and there's solar. Oil still can have make a big, big difference. And because you know, whether you're an exporter or importer, you know, that, that price yeah. falling as much as it has can be a big plus or a big minus. Yeah, I, and I think, I mean, you know, one of the issues, I think, in January and February of this year, there were a number of things happening. My sense was that, uh, at the time we talked about it, was that to some degree the positive, su- the entirety of the price impact from the positive supply shock was being interpreted as being entirely due to a negative demand shock. That was probably, that was probably wrong. There are a couple of other specific issues that, that, uh, that come up. One is, 
the exposure of the, of the bank system, the financial system more broadly to oil exporters. And this came up in the high yield market in the United States, for instance. Uh, there may be pockets in Canada, but our sense is that overall, uh, the exposure of the aggregate United States financial system to this is, uh, is, is, is not is not as big. Uh, so I think the, ma- the market's kind of gotten on board this message to show the very sharp correlation between oil up being good for the markets is very, very pronounced the first quarter. That's dissipated to, su- that's dissipated to some degree. I think what matters from here on out is um, what is the, the extent to which the U.S. has become a swing supplier is also very important in the markets, right? Because if you have prices that are contained in the level where you have kind of positive demand, positive income effects, the financial shocks associated with some highly leveraged producers uh, recede gradually in an environment of oil between 40 and 60 or something like that, that's probably okay. If you get a much sharper rise or a much faster rise, you bring the Fed back in play, uh, other central banks back in back in play. Uh, and if you get a very sharp drop, I think at this point, it would much likely to be more to a more due to a demand shock because the supply shock is already in. So kind of a big range is probably healthiest for the markets. That also speaks to the issue of national security, doesn't it? Because if the United States ends up being the swing producer, as you suggest, in the world's energy markets, then you also have political interests that are aligned all over the world. And the reason I mentioned emerging markets at the very beginning and the link to oil is, okay, when you as an investor buy into the emerging market theme, a lot of times you end up buying a lot of stocks where they're trading in Russia and they're trading in Brazil. And they are resource-based stocks. Mm-hmm. But that may not be the emerging market that you think of in your head because the emerging market that we want to maybe concentrate on is, you know, India, South Asia, and other areas. Tell us about that. Well, absolutely. I think one of the – it depends a lot on asset class. Because uh, if you buy an ETF and it says emerging markets on that <laughs> ETF, it doesn't necessarily mean that you own what you think – No, you I, may I, own a big energy company in Brazil and another <laughs> energy company in Russia. I've, absolutely. Now, I'm just To the degree that these are market cap weighted, some of these issues have uh, – have gone down, but it's absolutely true. I think it depends a lot on asset class. It's, it's particularly true in external debt, which tends to be very res- much more resource exporter heavy, uh, in part because those guys had uh, revenues denominated in dollars, so they issued in dollars. Uh, the local currency debt market is more evenly balanced, uh, but you don't have access to all the local currency debt markets. And the equity markets in particular, um, you know, there was a time... Well, you have, you have problem today. I was reading the story about Saudi Arabia maybe having to delay that bond sale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But maybe this decision or not this, you know, the speculation that the decision about OPEC, maybe that has something to... You know, well, it, it, I, I, I mean, the, yeah, there's... I mean, there's... Uh, there's that. There's the uh, you know. Th- th- there's the Senate bill. There are many. Th- the Senate veto. There are obviously lots of specific political. Just tell risks. people, remind people what that is, because this is, I think, the first time that the, the veto has been overridden. Yeah, by ninety-seven to one. Yes. Um, I mean, essentially, it gives uh, U.S. private U.S. private citizens the ability to sue um, uh, you know Saudi government in in courts for um, any part that uh, a mm-hmm. court may find. So, so, so as you look out over the world, which emerging markets are looking best to you? And I guess 
and, and, and sort of like what, how do you gauge that? What are the metrics you most look at? We know that when Fed rate hike expectations go down, emerging market investors breathe a sigh of relief. We know eventually they'll raise rates even a little bit. But for you, how are you deciding who you like and who do you like best? Well, I think, um, you know, the issues are, from a structural point of view, what you want to see is, um, you know, a reasonably healthy domestic economy, not a lot of hard currency indebtedness, a foreign currency indebtedness, a central bank that has enough credibility to be able to cut rates if you have a slowdown in the economy, and um, a kind of a positive, um, you know, you know, a positive association with with this big energy shock that's happened. So if you're selling uh, consumption goods to Western consumers, you're probably better off than if you're selling oil to them. You know, that that kind of stuff. Now, within this, you'll have um, specific political risk where some things may get better and some things may get worse. So in Brazil, for example, uh, there was a dramatic political shift when Dilma Rousseff got, uh, got impeached, uh, which then contributed to uh, the markets becoming... Uh, much happier. Along the way, the central bank was able to hold interest rates, uh, which then, you know, reduced people's fears that you'd have a central bank that was hiking rates in the middle of a third-year recession. So there are a lot of idiosyncratic political factors that come into play here. In the Turkish case, you had you had the coup, you have you have ge- geopolitical outcomes, which kind of in part offset any positive impetus that Turkey gets from being a big oil importer. India, on the other hand, you have a government that still has um, some, some some reform impetus. It's an oil importer, and there's kind of a structural story of uh, you know best bigger growth in China, FDI, etc. When people make decisions about where to invest their money in emerging markets, should they take away from the transfer of power in Brazil as well as the various changes in government uh, that we see all like in India previously mm. as something that makes those assets more valuable? I think political risk is, impor- is enormously important because, or politics more broadly, because effectively one of the things you're buying is you're buying governance, you're buying state capacity, you're buying the cohe- you're buying cohesion and confidence. That may be why energy produced in the United States is perhaps, as I said earlier, like a swing producer, uh-huh. not a bad swing producer to have. Yeah, exactly, and I think, and it's a producer that's that's where decisions are governed to a much greater degree by market forces than by, you know, cartel politics, which also makes it, uh, you know, a healthier swing producer to have in a sense from the point of view of the global economy. Karthik Shankaran, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for Director here. of Global Strategy at Eurasia Group, based here in New York. Joining us at the Bloomberg Markets Most Influential Summit at our Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York. I'm Kathleen Hayes, along with Pim Fox. Our stocks editor, Dave Wilson, will be back shortly to look at the market close with us, movers and shakers. This is Taking Stock. This is Bloomberg.